Hey, welcome to the Steamboat Christian Center podcast, where our greatest goal is to love God and love people. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us on social media or at steamboat.church. We're so glad you joined us today. Let's jump into this week's message. Well, Christian Center, thanks for joining us this weekend. So glad to have you. If you have your Bibles, I'm ready to jump into this. I hope you're ready for, for the word tonight. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Psalms chapter 46. That's where we're going to start and finish tonight. Um, before we get into that and while you're turning there, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you to this church. You guys always, always blow my, my mind and, and, and just my faith. I, I, I ne- you never let us down. Um, over the last several weeks, we've been collecting Operation Christmas Child uh, shoeboxes filled with toys and clothing and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, I just want to first give a shout out to our kids ministry, Hadley and her team and all the volunteers that have been collecting them from all of our community over the last uh, several weeks and putting this together. And then secondly, I want to thank you. We have collected over 500 Christmas boxes so far on this. And uh, that means that that, uh, this Christmas, 500 children all over this world are going to receive and get a good Christmas. I think this is a, an especially tough Christmas for a lot of families everywhere, and uh, to know that we're going to help some families and some kids uh, from Steamboat, Colorado. Thank you for leading the way with your generosity, church. Appreciate that. God bless you. Well, um, if you were physically here tonight, I got to tell you, I would ask you right now um, to stand to your feet. I would ask you to stand to your feet uh, for the reading of God's Word. Um, uh, but since you're probably at home right now, or maybe you're watching at your office or maybe you're driving in your car, I've decided, you know what, I better not let make you stand up here. But here's the reason. The reason behind standing is that this is just a simple way to help us to get our hearts and our minds uh, ready for what God is about to say to us here. And I hope that wherever you are and whatever you're doing, that for the next few moments you can do that, that you can prepare your heart and your mind for what I believe God wants to speak to us right now in this moment. Um, Today, my message, as I mentioned, is from the 46th chapter of the book of Psalms, and I pray that this strengthens you, I pray that this encourages you, and I pray that this brings you comfort in this difficult season that we are going through right now. Psalms chapter 46, verse 1, says this. God is our refuge and our strength. Mm. And he is always ready to help in times of trouble. Boy, I'm sure you wouldn't disagree with me right now. Without a doubt, these are some troublesome times that we're living in. Some of the craziest times that I could ever, ever remember. These are some difficult times. And, and regardless if you're happy right now or, or, or maybe you're disappointed because of the election that we just had and, and, and the results of that, or regardless if uh, you're anxious and you're afraid because of the lockdowns that, uh, that we've just entered in here in Route County, um, you and I, can be thankful tonight. We can be thankful today for a God that is our refuge, for a God that is our hiding place, for a God that is our shelter when the storms come, okay? And he is always, always ready to help us in times of trouble. Verse two says this, so we will not fear. Come on, say amen. amen. We will not fear when earthquakes come and when the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. 
There is a river that brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. And God dwells in that city. Therefore, it cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos, though, and their kingdoms will crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. And I love this next line. It says, the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. Oh, I love that. The Lord of all of heaven's armies. We know that we have an enemy. His name is Satan and he has all these little minions that are trying to attack us. But the Lord is the Lord over all of heaven's armies. We have angels that are on our side. The God of Israel is our fortress. The psalmist then says, come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and he snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And then the God who does all of that tells you and I to do this. He says in verse 10, be still, be still and know that I am God for I will be exalted by every nation and I will be honored all throughout the world. Amen and amen. Today, today's message, title of today's message is the good news that no one is reporting. <laughs> this is good news that you probably haven't heard recently. This is the good news that no one is reporting. And I, I would love it if you would join me in praying for this message to get into our hearts this day. Would you, would you bow your heads and your hearts? Father, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you and we remind ourselves that you are sitting on your throne today. And you reign supreme over all powers and all authorities that are in this world. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace um, that you reveal to us through your son, Jesus. And we pray right now that you would help us to put our trust in you, for you are our refuge and you are our shelter in times of trouble. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. And if you agree with that, say amen. 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 If you're with somebody in your house, tell them, look at them and say, God is good. Come on, turn to somebody and say, God is good. Give them an air high five. God is good. If you're online, type in, God is good and put up a little high five on there. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, I want to just be honest with you as I jump into this message. Um, I didn't really want to share this message with you this week. I, I was hoping um, that we wouldn't have to do this last week. I had a feeling that we were going to head into a, a lockdown for our community, and, and I hoped that we wouldn't, and I was, uh, was planning on giving you a totally different message. But uh, when I got the news on Tuesday, um, I knew that I needed to talk specifically about this passage, that I needed to, 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 to read this with you and to meditate on it a little bit. Now, the interesting thing is, is that parts of this passage are very well known. Uh, many of you have heard parts of this before. Um, some of you may even have uh, parts of this psalm underlined in your Bible. Um, maybe you even have a coffee mug that has a line or two on there that your favorite mug at home has that on there. Um, but the reason that this psalm was actually written isn't very well known. Most people don't know where this psalm came from and the context to it. And uh, if you don't know the context surrounding this psalm, it is easy to miss the depth and the richness of what this verse 
is really about what God is telling us. Um, let me give you a little context. Um, it is widely believed that Psalm chapter 46 was written in 701 BC, 700 years before Christ. Now that's a pretty big date in the history of Israel. Uh, maybe you're kind of going, why, what happened then? Well, um, uh, last week you might remember we talked about how in 589 BC, the Babylonians came and they attacked and they destroyed Jerusalem. We talked a little bit about that with uh, Daniel and all that story. Um, but about 100 years before that event happened, in 701 BC, the Assyrians came and attacked Jerusalem. And let me just tell you, the Assyrians made the Babylonians look like a bunch of wieners, man. I'm telling you, they had nothing on them. They, the Assyrians were maybe the most efficient and most uh, feared military force in all of the ancient world. Maybe through many, many, many centuries, they were brutal. Um, they were ruthless and they were cruel beyond measure. Um, they didn't just want to defeat their enemies. They wanted to uh, devastate and humiliate them. I mean, that is how they rolled. And, and they, one of the things they did is they engaged in psychological warfare. They were brilliant at this. Um, to, uh, in order to terrorize their enemies, they would often send little drawings or carvings of pictures of what they would do to anybody that survived the war, to any of their enemies. They were kind of letting them know, hey, this is what's gonna happen to you. Let me give you a few gruesome examples if, if you would. Um, here's a picture of them uh, pulling beards of their enemies off. They would rip their beards off or they would shove their fist or shove things down the throats of their enemies. I mean, this is just crazy stuff. They would often go out into the countryside outside the cities that they wanted to conquer and they would cut the heads off some of the, the countryside's people and they would bring those heads and they would send them and put them over the wall and they would send them like a postcard to their enemies going, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. We're going to kill you and it's going to hurt. They were brutal. Um, the Assyrians loved, they loved to impale their enemies. They would take a big giant stake and they would shove it into the backside of their enemies and they would hang them up alive and they would put them outside the city that they wanted to conquer. I mean, this was just terrifying to anybody that had to experience it. In fact, it's interesting. Some scholars believe that the Assyrians are actually the ones that invented crucifixion. Most of us have been kind of told throughout the years that Romans were the ones that invented it. That may not be true, that the Assyrians invented it, the Romans just perfected it. But the Assyrians were just brutal. They would cut off body parts of their enemies um, and, and, and throw them to the side and put them into piles or they would put them on necklaces and wear them around. They would skin their prisoners alive. And I can't even begin to mention to you what they would do to women and to children. They were absolutely barbaric. That's the context in which God spoke Psalm 46 to the Israelites. They were in a nation, they were a nation in turmoil. They were in crisis. They were facing a cruel enemy that they had no ability to conquer. And they felt utterly hopeless. And then suddenly the word of the Lord comes to them. And God says to them, I am your refuge and I am your strength. And I'm always ready to help you in times of trouble. And now, flash forward, 2,700 years 
And God, I believe, is saying the same thing to you and to me. He's saying, I am your refuge. And I am your strength. And I am always ready to help you when things go bad, when times are difficult. Wow. In fact, I love that phrase that's in this verse where he says, he is always ready. He is always ready to help. In other words, the moment you and I get ourselves into trouble, God is ready to help, right? I mean, our situation, our circumstances never catches God off guard. God never goes, whoa, 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 I didn't see that one coming. Wow, what are you gonna do now? What are you, I don't know. God never does that. Instead, he is always an ever-present help in times of trouble. He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. In fact, the original language, in the original language, this phrase, ever-present help, is, is so much more rich than it is in the English translation that we have. This phrase comes from two Hebrew words. Um, nimsa meowed. Everybody say nimsa meowed. Meowed, yes, meowed. Nimsa simply means this, to be found or to discover. Nimsa is to be found or to discover. Meowed is exceedingly abundant or exceedingly much. Or one scholar says muchness, <laughs> muchness. And so when you put Nimsa, Meowed together, it means to discover much in times of trouble. Now, you're, some of you are going, what, is, what, what, how, what does that mean? The inference here, I want you to get this. This is so powerful. The inference here is, is that, the, that words kind of fall short when describing this attribute of God. That words just don't kind of get it. That you can't describe this, this side of God. That you can't describe it, but you've got to experience it to understand what I'm talking about right now. The nimsa meowed of God, the ever-present help of God is something that you've got to experience. I can't explain it to you. It's kind of like in the same way if I, if I tried to tell you about the Grand Canyon, if I tried to describe it, I could try to describe it to you, but until you look over the edge and you look at the grandness of that, you won't understand it. You won't get what I'm talking about. For all you in Texas, I could try to tell you about the wonderful, beautiful, purple majesty Rocky Mountains that are right behind me. I could tell you about it, but you will never get it until you see it for yourself. Another example is I could even try to tell you about Michelle, Michelle Carr's um, German chocolate cake that she bakes for me every year on my birthday. Every year. This is just, a, just, a, just next year. One, one a year, Michelle's all I can take. It's so, so good. I could try to tell you about the moistness of the cake. I could try to tell you about the yummy coconut frosting that's on the outside of that. But until you take a piece of that and shove it into your mouth, man, and enjoy it, you'll never understand what I'm talking about. You'll never get it until you experience it for yourself. That is... The nimsa meowed. I could try to tell you about God's ever-present help, but it's so much better if you could just discover it yourself. In fact, that's really been my prayer the last part of this week, is that I've been praying that some of you, during this crazy situation that we find ourselves in, this crazy season, I'm praying that some of you will discover God's ever-present help yourself.
for yourself. You know, uh, you, you may be watching and you've heard stories about God coming through for people. You've heard stories of God's goodness and his power and his faithfulness. You've heard about those things, but you've never really had your own encounter. You've never seen it for yourself. I'll tell you, once you do, you'll never be the same, my friend. Everything will change for you. And during these troublesome times, I am praying that every one of you will experience for yourself the muchness of God's goodness and God's protection and God's provision in your life. That's my prayer. Now, here's the question that you and I have to wrestle with tonight. Considering this psalm and this phrase that says, God is our refuge and our strength. Does this phrase, God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble, does that phrase have any meaning for you and I here today in 2020? Well, I get it. Um, we're not living in Jerusalem right now, and, and we're not under attack from the dreaded Assyrians but the reality is, is that we all have different challenges going on in our lives right now. Um, and so what does having God as our refuge and our strength mean when you and I are worried about our future of our jobs or the future of our income? Or what does that mean when we feel that our faith isn't very strong right now, that we feel weak in our faith? What does it mean? What does that phrase mean when our marriage is hanging on by a thread? What does that phrase mean to those of us who are looking at our kids and we see that our kids are struggling right now, that they're not functioning so well right now? What does that mean? What does that phrase mean when you and I are filled with a little uncertainty about this election that just happened and our nation and how the results still haven't been verified and we don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow? What does that phrase mean? What does it mean when you and I are filled with anxiety about this second lockdown that is happening in our community and in our economy. What does that phrase mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means this. Write this down. God is exactly what you need when you need him. And he is so much, much more than that. That's what it means. God is what you need when you need him. And he is much, much more than that. The goodness of God, which I cannot really explain to you. I cannot explain it to you. You can only experience it. The goodness of God is exactly what you need when you need it, my friend. I believe that. And when you're anxious, when you're feeling worried about life and about your life, it's, it's may you discover, my prayer is that you would discover that God is your peace that he is your peace, he is Jehovah Shalom. I am the God that brings you peace. When, when you are hurting, when you're in pain, I'm praying that you would discover for yourself that God is your healer, that he is Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. When you're in need, if you're in need right now and you're lacking or you're worried about tomorrow and where, how you're gonna pay your bills, my prayer is that you will discover for yourself a God whose name is Jehovah Jireh. I am the Lord who provides for you. I am your provider, right? When you have sinned, when you failed, I pray that you will discover a God who is your righteousness. He is Yahweh Sidkenu. He is your righteousness, not your righteousness in yourself. 
when you feel alone, when you feel like you're all by yourself going through this, I pray that you will discover for yourself a God who is always present, who calls himself Yahweh Shammah. I am the God who is present with you. When you are weak, I pray that you'll find he is strong. And when you are in trouble, you will find that he is your fortress that you can run to. The point I'm trying to make here very simply is that God is exactly what you need when you need him. And he is so, so much more than that. I want you to look at verse six here. Look at this, it says, when the psalmist says this, he says, the nations are in chaos. Boy, this week that jumped out off the page to me. Doesn't that feel a little like the world that we're living in today? I mean, uh, in my lifetime, I don't think I have ever felt uh, like the world is more chaotic than it is today. I mean, politically, it's chaotic. Socially, it's chaotic. Um, economically, it is chaotic. Things are in chaos right now. And the psalmist says, the nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. And then in verse seven, it says this, the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. I love that. I, I love that. That God is among us. That God is is with us. You know, we're headed into the Christmas season. And when Jesus was born, if you know the Christmas story, that first Christmas, you'll know that Jesus was introduced as Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. God didn't just shout his love from heaven. No, no. God showed his love here on earth when he came in the flesh as Jesus. He showed us what true love was. It was Emmanuel and God is with us. And my friend, in the midst of our chaos right now, you and I can take heart because God is with us. Amen. Amen. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. And then verse eight, he says this, come see the glorious works of the Lord. <laughs> I love this. Again, I can't tell you, I can't tell you about God's power and God's goodness and you understand it. You have to see it for yourself. You have to see it for yourself. And some of you are like, well, how do I do that? How do I see God's power? How do I see his goodness in the midst of these difficult times? Glad you asked. Verse 10, it tells us how. <laughs> and uh, before I read it to you, I just want to warn you. You're not going to like this. <laughs> you're, you're probably not going to like this verse. And I'll tell you why I think that. Because I don't like it. I don't like it. This is a hard verse. Uh, and, and in fact, this is why I partly didn't want to preach this message this week. It's so hard. But let me read it to you. Here's what it says. Verse 10, it says, the psalmist says, Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Now, let me just be honest with you. I don't know about you, but that verse has always bothered me. <laughs> That's a hard one for me. You ever get bothered by something you read in the Bible? I do sometimes, and this one is one of those. I, I, it just bothers me. Be still. And when I think about it in context of where this was written and why it was written, I imagine myself. I put myself in, in, in the people's shoes. I imagine myself in 701 B.C., right? And, and I'm, a, I'm a husband. 
I'm a dad, right? I'm a dude, and and I've just learned the news that the Assyrians are on their way. The most dreaded army in the world is marching towards my home, my city, Jerusalem, right? They've sent some severed heads over the wall of, of, of countrymen, people I knew. They've sent some pictures showing me what they're planning to do to me and my family, right? Everything that I have, everything that I've built, everything that I value, everything I love in this world is in jeopardy right now. <laughs> and what does God tell me to do? Be still. Are you kidding me, man? Are you kidding? No way. I need to get ready. I need to get ready to fight. I need to get my sword out. I need to sharpen it up, man. I need to make some plans to ambush these guys when they roll in. I need to set up some booby traps in my home for when they try to invite my house, right? What? I need to fight back. I need to get ready to fight. But God tells me to be still. Be still, even in the best of circumstances, even the calmest circumstances. I'm a nut. I got ADD. I'm on the move. I can't be still. That is so opposite of my nature, right? If I'm still, I'm not doing anything. If I'm still, I'm not contributing anything to the cause. If I'm still, I can't be important. If I'm still, I can't be the hero to my family. If I'm still, can't be in control. That's it, isn't it? That's why this is so hard for me and for so many of us, I think. But maybe, maybe that's what God is trying to tell us here. Maybe God is saying, hey, let me be in control. Let me um, fight this battle for you. Let me be your hero. You, I just want you to sit back and I just want you to be still. I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to fret. I don't want you to freak out. I don't want you to get on social media and be an idiot. I just want you to be still and know that I am God and that I have got this. Wow. And then God would say to us, you know, I realize that this is, hard for you, that you may not understand what I'm trying to say to you right now. I know that you don't get it, and you won't get it. You won't understand this just by listening to me or just by hearing these words and reading about it. The only way that you will understand this is by experiencing it, by going through it with me, by watching firsthand how I am going to save you. Be still. I think we need to realize that there are some battles that we, of course, can fight ourselves. But the truth is, is that there are some battles that we need to simply let the Lord of heaven's armies fight for us. And what we're going through right now seems like a good one (laughs) to give to him. Amen. Now, before I tell you how this story ends. I want to invite the worship team to come out behind me here and uh, we're going to sing as we close. And uh, I just want you to wrap your mind around this because I'm going to tell you what happens here. What happened to Israel when the Assyrians attacked? Well, 
If you want to read about this, uh, you can read the whole story in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, or you can go over to 2 Kings chapter 19. It's basically two versions of the same story. But here's the the condensed version. Here's what's happened. Um, The Assyrians surrounded the entire city of Jerusalem, and they sent word that they were about to attack the city. And King Hezekiah, he was the king of Judah at this time, and his main prophet was Isaiah. They got together, and this is what they did. They prayed one prayer. They prayed one prayer. It might have been a long prayer, but they prayed one prayer according to Scripture. Instead of running around, scrambling around, fortifying the walls, sharpening their swords, setting all kinds of booby traps of what they were going to do to the Assyrians, they prayed one prayer, and they stood still. And then they sat back and they watched God do his thing. Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 20, tells us exactly what happened. It says that King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this. And then in verse 21 it says, and the Lord sent an angel Boy, that struck me this week. He sent an angel, as in one angel, as in singular, one angel, who then, look at this, annihilated all the fighting men and commanders and officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. This is crazy. And it was such a battle, such a devastation, the king withdrew back to his own land in disgrace. Now, I love this. I got to tell you, I love this because think about this. One angel, one angel destroyed 185,000 Assyrian warriors. One angel. Uh, 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 the, The Lord, it's interesting to me, the Lord of heaven's armies didn't need to send a legion of angels down there to take care of this. He didn't even send his top 10 angels down there. He sent one Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because that's all he needed. That's all he needed. (laughs) Like I said, our God is exactly what you need, when you need it, and so much, much more. Oh, I love that. Israel needed just one angel. Some of you just need one. Some of you need just one touch from God right now. Some of you need just one word from God to tell you what to do next. Some of you need just one answered prayer. I want you to know that God has exactly what you need when you need it and so much more than that. And for you to experience that yourself, all you need to do is to be still and know that he is God. (laughs) If you're worried about this pandemic right now, my friend, and as we all are, my recommendation is be still and know that he is God. If you're, if you're worried about this lockdown that we just went into here in our, our city, um, Be still and know that he is God. If you're worried about our nation and this election, 
and what's happened. Be still and know that he is God. I pray that our church can slow down and to allow God to show himself to us in a new way during this season. I pray that you'll join me in that. In fact, would you bow your heads and your hearts as I close here and ask God to help us to be still. Father, I pray um, for your help because the temptation for us to, to go and to do and to, to run around and to try to take control and to do our thing and to save the day is so strong right now in the midst of the chaos that we're all feeling, in the midst of the confusion that we're all going through. I pray, God, very simply, that you would help each one of us see that the best thing that we could do right now is to be still, is to be still and know that you are God that you are our refuge, <laughs> you are our strength, and that you are always ready to help us in times of trouble. Help us, God, to get out of the way <laughs> and to let you to do your thing and to stand back and be amazed. I'm mindful that the epilogue of this story says in verse 22, it says, so the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of the king of Assyria and from the hand of all others. And I love the last line that says this, that he took care of them on every side. Father, I pray that you would protect us from all other attacks and that you would protect us on every side top and bottom, our finances, our families, our businesses, our physical health, God, our mental health, our spiritual health, you would protect us, that you would get us through this. As the children of Israel walked through the desert those 40 years, the Bible says that their shoes didn't even wear out. God, I pray that when we come out of this on the other side, that your children are going to have a testimony of your faithfulness and your goodness and your power and your protection over every side of our lives, God. God, I pray that you would help us, um, help our people from Steamboat Christian Center to test positive for faith this week, God. <laughs> I pray that you'd help us to be positive, test positive for faith, God. Keep us at least six foot in distance from doubt, God, I pray. Help us to isolate ourselves away from fear, God. But most of all, I pray over these next few weeks, God, that we, you would help us to trust you through it all. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this word, God, and we run with it. We are going to be still and know that you are God. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray and all God's children say, amen, amen, amen.